0: I'm Pastor Mike Lansman, and you're listening to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ in Northampton, Pennsylvania, taken from my Sunday sermons. During these times of uncertainty, as the coronavirus continues to spread, I pray that the peace of the Holy Spirit would be with you and your family. Here's what we have for today. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. How many of you have been the receivers? of unlooked-for generosity. Someone who went over and above all expectations to bless you in a time of need. A few years ago, Shantae and I, we weren't married yet, but uh, I was living in a house in Bethlehem. We were together dating, and um, I don't believe we had been engaged yet. I came home after my roommate called me and so I arrived to the, to the house because he said it was an emergency so I, I got to the house where I was living and I saw fire trucks outside it was in the middle of the night and, and smoke was billowing or smoldering you know the house was smoldering and smoke was coming out some friends stepped up right away and let me stay in their homes for a few days so I kind of went from from house to house a couple days here a couple days there and then some friends stepped up and they said hey Isaac's godparents, they said, hey, come stay with us for like two weeks until you can find a place. So I did. So I went to their house, and, and I started looking for a new place. And after the two weeks was up, I hadn't found a place. I had a couple of leads, but nothing had materialized yet. And so I asked them if I, it was okay if I could stay, because it was like maybe halfway through the month. I was like, can I just stay here for a little bit of time extra just so I can find a place and figure all this out? And then they countered with a different offer. They told me just live with us just stay with us it's fine and not only that live with us until you get married because uh, I was engaged at the time I believe stay with us until you get married and then you can move out and everything will be fine so I'm like wow that's really generous how much would you like me to pay you in rent and they said eh, don't worry about that too here's just give us a little bit of money they gave me an amount and they're like you know, that's for to cover, help cover like the utilities of her being here so you can you're one you're getting married so you know you can use that money that you would be paying to save up and that offer floored me and I'll never forget that offer I'll never forget their generosity and I'll always remember the kind of Christian charity they extended to me in my time of need and think about it right what could I do to repay them nothing I'd have to save up a bunch of money over a long amount of time to cover the amount of rent that they could have asked of me for taking up space in their home. And that conversation with them was really moving for me and and brought me to tears at the time because it it shows something of the generosity and the love of God and what God has done for us and the sheer impossibility of us giving him anything in return for his goodness towards us. And so it's in this light, brothers and sisters, that I turn to today's reading from the Psalter as well as pulling from some of the readings that we've heard in Romans 5. And so we opened with the psalm and the cult's worship, but I'm just going to read verses 12 and uh, read it really quickly one more time since it was a little bit earlier. I love the Lord. He has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. What shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. So we're going to break this up into three sections. The first one is the Lord heard. The psalm opens with an expression of love to the Lord. Why does the psalmist love the Lord? Because the Lord heard his voice and has heard his pleas for mercy. Right away here we see when we cry out to God, God hears us. But not only God hears us, but we know that he will answer our pleas for mercy. What's the expectation if God hears especially the cries of his people, what will God do in response? God will answer. And in this psalm, we see the psalmist, if you continue on after verse 2, he seems to be dying or he's extremely ill because he says, the pangs of Sheol laid hold of me. In other words, death was upon me. Because Sheol is the place where the spirits of the dead went until the advent of Jesus Christ. You know, we we confess in the creed, he descended to the grave, right? And when he descended to the grave, he descended there to bring the captives out of there and to preach to the spirits in prison. And because the psalmist has this extreme experience, we see this intense psalm of adoration and praise to God for what God has done. God has saved him from death. Now, also of interest here is I think that in in the Romans reading, St. Paul says that since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. So if we only now have peace, then that means we were at one point opposed to God. We were enemies of God. But since by grace and faith we have been made new, then like the psalmist, we too love the Lord because the Lord has saved us from death as well. And he has given us new life now and in the age to come second part what shall I do which is also the title of the sermon by the way so moving down to verse 12 the psalmist asks somewhat rhetorically what can I give to the Lord for all that the Lord has done for me what can we give God to show our appreciation for what he has done and I don't mean it even in the sense of, you know, when you're in trouble and you're like, God, if you get me out of this, I promise, you know, I'll, I'll never eat a whole tub of ice cream in one sitting again. Please just, you know, let this doctor's appointment go better for me. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. That's that's silly. But God does do things for us. And when God does do things for us, we have this very human thing right this when confronted with this expansive unearned undeserved generosity we feel as if there's something we have that the other wants or needs but like those who display that level of generosity they're not thinking about what they can get from you they're thinking about what can I do for you how can I help you in your time in your area of need how can I meet your immediate need that's what they're thinking about they're not thinking about if I do this for them maybe they'll do something in turn for me later right this isn't the godfather you know you don't he doesn't do a favor for you and then a year later he comes to you and says now you do a favor for me that's not how this works that's not generosity that's not Christian charity Christian generosity and Christian charity is how can I meet your need with no expectation of the other being able to do anything to repay you Jesus even says, give to those who cannot repay you, give to those who ask. But St. Paul reminds us as well, right, that in the Romans reading, that we have access into faith through grace. And grace, brothers and sisters, is God giving himself to us as a gift that we cannot deserve, that we cannot earn. And it renews, it recreates, and re-energizes the human soul. And that will one day renew, recreate, and re-energize our bodies too. And the pangs of shale will not hold us. The pangs of death will not hold us. As St. Augustine said, God there repays good for evil, while unto him men repay evil for good. The only thing we can do then is, as the psalmist said, to lift up the cup of salvation and to call upon the name of the Lord. And I think that lifting up the cup of salvation is twofold. So in the psalm, the psalmist seems to be rejoicing in his deliverance from sickness and death. So in response to this, he is fulfilling his vows and worship by taking part in the appropriate rituals of thanksgiving. Because this is the only way he can even begin to give back to the Lord. But taking up or lifting the cup of salvation, I think, can also be pointing to something else. In 1 Corinthians, St. Paul refers to something. He says... The cup of blessing that we bless is this not participation in the blood of Christ the cup of blessing the Eucharistic cup so for us the response to God's saving acts for us is found in the Eucharist which by the way means to give thanks God's grace is extended to us without cost And the only thing we can do is to receive it with thanks, with adoration, and with love. The only thing we can render to the Lord for what he has done for us is ourselves. Specifically ourselves given over to his service. Let's talk about servanthood. The psalmist realizes that apart from offering himself to God's service, there's nothing he can render to the Lord. And it's not done begrudgingly right or half-heartedly it's like God delivered me from the bed of sickness the psalmist isn't saying I guess I kind of have to serve him I guess I mean he did this really awesome thing for me but I mean you know I got the rest of my life to live so thanks a lot God no when if the psalmist was at the door of death if he was about to die and he cried out to God and God heard him and God healed him of something that severe what do you think his response would be if you were in the hospital brothers and sisters and you were dying and you cried out to God and you said God have mercy on me and then all of a sudden God did and raised you up and you walked out of the hospital a day later with nothing wrong with you would you live your life a lot differently than you had when you first came in probably probably It's done, the offering of the self to God with the full knowledge that our service to the Lord will also be in the sight of all people, right? God has loosed the psalmist's bonds that held him captive, and he has loosed our bonds that have held us captive. And in light of that, then, he becomes enslaved to the Lord who saved him. Or maybe become a servant to the Lord who saved him. Again, St. Augustine wrote, Who has given you the cup of salvation, which when you take and callest on the name of the Lord, you shall return unto him a reward for all that he has returned to you? Who save he who says, Are you able to drink the cup that I shall drink of? Who has given unto you to imitate his suffering, save he who has suffered before for you? And therefore right dear in the sight of the lord is the death of his saints he purchased it by his blood which he first shed for the salvation of slaves that they might not hesitate to shed their blood for the lord's name in other words brothers and sisters we are called to imitate jesus christ even if his sufferings if need be even if those sufferings lead to our own martyrdom and this is what saint paul speaks of in the reading from romans we heard a few minutes ago not only that but we rejoice in our sufferings Knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit has been given to us. The suffering we go through is working out something deep within us, which is why our attitude in suffering is so important. And Jesus isn't calling us to take part in something he hasn't himself already done first. First. Jesus isn't telling us, do as I say and not as I do. Jesus experienced it all and calls us to follow in what he experienced too. We need to learn to endure hardships. We need to learn to develop character because then we will learn to have hope, true hope that is based on the love of God that has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And this love is deep and true and real and more intense than anything else because God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God shows his love. God doesn't show his love by sending us flowers. God doesn't show his love by giving us a big hug. God doesn't show his love by writing us a nice letter on perfumed paper and calligraphy and then sending it in the mailbox and then gets all of your other letters all smelly. I mean, these are all nice things, right? But God shows his love through what he has done for us. God shows his love through sending of his son. And the son shows us his love by submitting to death on the cross for us that is love not ooey gooey feelings love we hear our culture talk about love all the time we don't even know what love is this is love that Christ died for us while we were still dead in sins while we were still opposed to God and because he did that we now have peace with God that our opposition has been turned to friendship. Our hatred of God has been turned to love, to gratitude, because God has saved us from death and brought us into life. What else can we do in response to that kind of love? How else can we respond but to fall on our knees in gratitude, tears streaming down our face, thank you for what you've done for me, to offer ourselves to the service of the Lord. And then to go out, as Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew. It says that he sent his disciples out because he saw the people as sheep without a shepherd. And If there's any moment in our, in our lifetime where people are scattered without a shepherd, it is right now. So for us, brothers and sisters, of all the good things God has given to us, we then are to give ourselves, and as we give ourselves to his service, we worship, we come to church, we sing, we pray. Most importantly, we, we, we lift up the cup of thanksgiving around the broken body and shed blood of Christ, which brings healing to our own souls and bodies. Then we leave this place, or we close our laptop, or we turn off our desktop, or we put our phone away, and we leave our homes. And like Jesus said, proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we're at a moment in time, brothers and sisters, right now where we have clusters of sheep and all of them do not have a shepherd. And they are all following the wrong master. They are serving themselves. They are serving death. And what they need is to be brought into new life in Christ. Because being brought to new life in Christ is the basis upon which we can then abolish all of the divisions that we experience. And brothers and sisters, the church should be the model of what it looks like to be reconciled to one another. The church should be the picture of post-racial multiculturalism. Because in Christ, there is no Jew or Gentile, male or female, St. Paul says. All are one. And in the ancient world, at the gathering of the church, it's the only place where you would see a slave sitting next to a rich person who may have even owned them feasting together around the same table and being given the body and blood of Christ from the same cup that is powerful stuff that is powerful stuff that we can strive for reconciliation now we can pass laws we can do good things to bring the races together and to acknowledge ongoing suffering this is all good but, brothers and sisters, the true healing will only come on the foundation of being, people being brought into right relationship with Jesus Christ. Because then that is the basis by which we can then break down all barriers between all people. And so, as a response to what God has done for you, I challenge you to look for ways where you can show his love to others not just by saying I love you but by doing grounded real things to help those in need it could be even it could be giving food to someone you see on the street who who, who, who who may be in need of food it may be putting money in the cup of someone who is begging it could even be when you're with a group of friends and one of them says a racist joke be like hey buddy that's not okay maybe you should you know let's talk about something else Like, if you're not a professional comedian, then just be quiet. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But you understand, right? Like, there's ways where we can demonstrate God's real love through us. But we have to understand, right, that the basis for all reconciliation is found only through Jesus Christ. Because it is only in Christ that all of humanity is invited to partake of the goodness and the grace of God in which we stand by grace through faith. And so to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be all glory, together with his Father who is everlasting and his all-holy good and life-creating spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If anyone listening is in the area here in Northampton and in need of help, of food, or supplies, please reach out and let us know through private message on our Facebook page, Zionstone UCC, or through our website, ZionstoneUCC.com. To all who have given and continue to support us during the closing of the church during the coronavirus, thank you so much for your love. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen.